Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Breakfast Briefing. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Friday the 28th of January and as usual with all the information contained in this briefing, it is general advice only so please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this briefing. If you need to, you can always pause the PowerPoint slide here and read our disclaimer in full or you can head on over to the marcustoday.com.au website and read the disclaimer there. If you're not yet a member of Marcus today as well, you can always sign up there too for a 14-day free trial. All right, well, another roller coaster ride in the US markets and a roller coaster ride in store for us today on the SPY futures, and we'll get to that. But the Dow Jones closed at the end of the day down seven points or 0.02%. Anyone would think nothing happened last night, but we did have the Dow at one stage down 160. And at one stage, the Dow was up 605. So make of that what you will. But volatility to the max in the US currently. And we are seeing that uh, those big swings on a daily basis. The Nasdaq faring worse, down 1.4%, 189 points, 13,353. Tesla certainly not helping that situation after the conference call with Elon Musk. Uh, That uh, stock falling heavily. S&P 500 down half a percent. So in the middle for Diddle, down 23 points of 43.27. Interestingly, though, throughout all this volatility, the VIX index itself was actually down 3.57% 3.57% or one point to 31. So despite the volatility in the market, these massive intraday swings, we saw GDP out in the US last night. We are seeing that VIX index under a smidge of pressure. Against all this, we have SPY futures showing 101. We'll call that a Dalmatian up 1.5%, 68.10. So we did have a big sell-off yesterday after we had a 200-point swing from high to low in the market. So a big, big move yesterday. Big, big volume as well in the market, uh, adding to the uh, the volatility. As far as uh, commodities go overnight, we did see Brent crude down slightly, down 0.69 of a percent, 69, 62 cents to 89.34. WTI down 74 cents or 0.85 of a percent to 86.61. There does seem to be a smidgling of a thaw in the US-Russia relations over Ukraine, but it is only a smidgling. Luckily, the Germans have decided throughout all this that they would send 5,000 helmets to the Ukraine, and no sign of any weapons, but at least they've sent helmets, which is something. And uh, Anthony Blinken continues to say that Europe is united in their stance against Russia. They don't seem to be very united, given that the Germans do rely on 33% of their fuel comes from Russia. But anyway, be that as it may, gold back into its trading range. There we go, down 2%, $36.60, 1793.1. This is as the US dollar rises on the back of the Federal Reserve comments from Jerome Powell the other day. And uh, the four or maybe even five rate rises in 2022. So the US dollar pushing higher. Iron ore up slightly, 0.47%, 65 cents to 138.75. We are obviously going into Chinese Lunar New Year next week. So markets will be on holiday in terms of the iron ore price uh, for a little while. So that should hold in relatively stable in terms of the price. Anyway, the Aussie dollar 70.28. In other commodities last night, 
still relatively benign and holding up relatively well, all things considered. LME copper was down 1.9%, nickel was down 1.7%, pretty much ordinary kind of nights and moves there. Aluminium up 0.06, zinc up 0.7, lead down 1%, and ton down 1.5%. As far as mining stocks go, though, Freeport McMoran were down 3.5%, Alcoa down 4.5%, Tech up uh, rather down 1.9, Anglo up 1.1, Glencore up 1, Vale up 0.6, and Arbomile, which is the biggest lithium stock in the world, was pretty much unchanged. And interestingly, last night, the FTSE, and we did have a question about the FTSE on the Facebook discussion group. Why was it doing so well? It was up 1.1% last night. Primarily, the reason is it has been an absolute dog recently in uh, recent times has been a serial underperformer and it also is very much skewed to the mining and oil and gas industry so that explains why that is holding up well hasn't really helped our market of course which is very much skewed to the oil gas and resources industry we still have seen our index come back from 7600 to 6800 so that is a pretty big move 800 points over 10 percent in my book is a pretty nasty crash type scenario i don't know what would constitute a crash but it may not be a one day wonder 10 percent. but it certainly has been over the period of a couple of weeks as far as the us goes here's the chart of the s&p uh tried hard to rally uh fell over but uh, at least it was off its lows towards the close we've also had apple results after hours and that has beaten on all expectations so that is a positive for the market i think the stock's up around three percent on the back of that so that will certainly uh, push some optimism back into the u.s market on the other side of the equation though robin hood has fallen quite heavily after hours on the back of their results i haven't seen the update yet but it is down and uh, we do know what happened to Robin Hood. He may have been doing good and spreading the wealth from the evil to the poor and the rich to the poor. But at the end of the day, he did come to a bit of a sticky end. Major stories last night. Stocks drop in roller coaster ride for Wall Street. Well, we did see the Dow at least pull its head above water or the flat line for a little while before closing down seven points the u.s economy though grew at 6.9 percent in the fourth quarter that was above forecast 6.9 percent gdp growth and seven percent inflation there's a certain near symmetry about those two numbers Uh, market pricing now five fed hikes this year and it's driving bonds and stocks lower and spurs the rally in that u.s dollar which is hurting the gold price at the moment but in aussie dollar terms it won't be hurting it quite so much uh, strong tech results easing broader concerns those apple numbers certainly will be helping sentiment in the market and we may see yet another volatile day on friday but certainly it has perked up our spy futures which are up 101 points a more aggressive bets that the bank of england will hike next week priced in by markets following the fed's hawkish tilt Of course, the RBA meeting will be very shortly as well, and all eyes will be on the RBA to see how they manage to do the backflip with Pike and the degree of difficulty they cop. The poll expects the RBA to scrap QE on February the 1st and wait until rate hikes in November. Well, we'll see about that, but certainly inflation here at 3.5% may prompt the RBA to start sending some signals earlier. Remember, the RBA has three uh, main 
weapons, the three main mandates, uh, that is to keep unemployment as low as possible, to keep growth as high as possible, and to keep inflation in the 2 to 3% band. Currently, 3.5% is the rate of inflation. So slightly above that band, but it has said in the past that it's happy to run the economy hot, given that the inflation rate was way below the 2 to 3% band for so long in the average long-term then that uh, 3.5% may be a bit more sustainable than certainly the US 7%. And even yesterday, we saw New Zealand with a 5.9% read on their inflation rate, which was the highest in 31 years. So it'll be interesting RBA time. And the BOC, the Bank of China's hawkish hold, puts its credibility on the line amid inflationary pressures and hot housing market. The US has sent a written response to Russia's demand, old school, no longer by Twitter or by an Instagram post to Putin. They are now sending real letters, very old school from Joe Biden, but it is still favouring a diplomatic path forward. And the Chinese authorities are considering a proposal to dismantle Evergrande, or Nevergrande, by selling the bulk of its assets. And industrial product profits in China grew at the slowest pace for more than a year and a half, strengthening the case for the PBOC support. Interestingly, at the moment, as we're seeing the US talking rate rises and that coming to pass, we're also seeing China cutting rates and stimulating their economy. Plenty more on that on in Henry's take today. And Moderna has begun clinical trials of its Omicron-specific COVID vaccine. What's on today? Plenty happening as usual. We've got fourth quarter PPI here. We've got New Zealand, January consumer confidence. We've also got Chinese Kaishin manufacturing PMI for December and the Japanese January CPI. U.S. GDP, 6.9%. Let that sink in a little. 6.9%. Inflation at 7%. Interest rates at 0.1%. Spot the odd man out there. Tesla down 11.6% after their conference call with Elon Musk. Uh, A number of new models have been put on hold due to the chip shortage. They're concentrating on other things now. The reasonably priced Tesla, the lowest priced Tesla, what they were going to call Model 2, has now been put on hold. Probably won't be seeing that in Australia for some years to come, even after it comes out elsewhere. Uh, Apple was down 0.3% in normal trade, but the results after hours did beat expectations. And so far, it's up around 3%. Amazon up 0.6%. Netflix up 7.5% for Netflix. US banks slightly easier, but nothing too dramatic. JP Morgan down one8 Citigroup down 09 Goldman down 0.5, Bank of America down 0.9, Wells Fargo down 0.7, Berkshire down 0.5, and Block, the artist formerly known as Square, and Afterpay, of course, folded, very much being the word, into the Block, uh, was down 4.8%, so uh, that one really is struggling. Uh, ResMed has posted a 12% rise in net profits in the fourth quarter, Gross margin, though, fell 2.3% to 57.6%, but it does look quite a positive uh, read there. The other thing about Tesla, which was interesting going back slightly, is that it is now prioritizing its humanoid uh, robot, which is an interesting move from Elon. 
Uh, BP, uh, BHP rather, was up 2.1% in ADR terms. Still looks as if uh, there's a lot of index reweighting going on at the moment with that big jump in the weighting of BHP following the dual listed structure collapse, which will be effective next week. Marcus has a big article today on the BHP dual listed structure and what it means for BHP shareholders and the Woodside deal, of course. Rio up 1.4% in the US and Morgan Stanley says BHP could get around $4 billion for M&A activity. Here's inflation for you. Sinlay SM1 has lifted its milk price forecast 15.6% due to inflationary pressures. And Santos, the CEO Kevin Gallagher, says they are moving quickly on a sell-down of PNG LNG to Total soon. It could raise $2.3 billion US, according to some analysts. And the Early Funds co-founder, David Cooper, may be in line for the Magellan CEO role, which certainly would bring some stability to that fund manager, which surprisingly has held up relatively well compared to others. It did look yesterday as if there was a switch between Magellan and GQG, which toppled over. And finally, City says the VIFOR deal will increase EPS by 2% for CSL. (coughs) Question of the day today. What is the sign for you that the market has bottomed? We've spent a lot of time last year talking about signs that the market has topped. And uh, there's plenty more in Henry's take today about creating invisible friends when you've got no more hard assets to buy. But what is the sign for you that the market has bottomed? That's it from me today. Thanks very much for listening. You can head on over to the Facebook discussion group. It's a fantastic group. Great ideas and great contributions. Members helping members is the motto. You can also subscribe to any one of the four or all of the four Marcus Today podcasts, either Marcus Strategy, On The Desk podcast, this podcast with breakfast briefing at the end of day, and my On The Couch podcast. And this week, I caught up with Nick Griffin and James Sanidis from Munro Partners talking about decarbonisation and the opportunities that presents for investors. And also, let's face it, what the hell is going on in the markets at the moment? That's it from me today. It's Friday, so have a great weekend.